Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I want to share with you this morning about Jesus. (laughs) I was trying so hard to figure out what topic should I preach on this week. (laughs) I think I'll talk about the Lord again. Oh, I wanted to mention before I start that we have a, a very, I'm, I'm so excited about this. We have a very special friend. M- most of you don't even know. We have a special speaker this Wednesday night. It's going to be an awesome night. Steve Solomon is going to be here. Oh, yeah. I just, I really hope you come. If you've been in his meetings before, I, want you, I hope you come. If you've never been, you need to come. Steve is, he is, a, he is the, re- the reason his name is Solomon is because he's, he's really, really, really Jewish. <laughs> He's Jewish, and uh, he's, you know, he's been in the ministry a long time. He's a pastor in, in Fort Worth, and he's been my friend since 1995. And um, so I just hope you come. It's going to be an awesome night. This Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, I'll be ministering tonight, and looking forward to that as well. So Mark chapter 3, I wanted to read these verses to you this morning and share about them. Of course, it's talking about the Lord. It says, he went up on a mountain, and he called to him those he himself wanted you know, God, sometimes we just gloss over God's word, and some of the simplest phrases are really actually very, very powerful. He went up on the mountain and called to himself those he himself wanted. He still does that today. You know, that, that's what happened to me. I talked about it this morning. It's what happened to me on the lakefront. He called me. He used the circumstances that, that happened to be there that day, that, that movie and those particular people, but it was Christ that was calling me to himself. He was calling me to himself. And, you know, I, I had, you know, heard the gospel all throughout my life, but there, there was, that was a, a moment in time for me. It was like just as real as if Jesus walked along the Sea of Galilee and stopped at the fisherman and said, come and follow me. I'll make you a fisher of man. Christ was calling me. And that's, that's, that was the beginning of my testimony with Jesus. And at some point in your life, you look back, if, if Christ is real to you, if you really are born again, you have a real, a real relationship with the, living, with the living God. There was a moment when he began to call you to himself. He went up on the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12. I love this. He appointed 12. This, this is such a powerful, powerful phrase. And this really is the foundation of what I want to share with you this morning. Everyone say he appointed this word appointed is the word poio, po, po, I don't even know how to say it, P-O-I-E-O, and it's, it's connected to that word poema, and it means to, to make someone into something. So that it, was the very, it was the very calling Jesus to himself that began to make those men into something that they weren't before. He appointed them. He ordained them. He called him to himself. And in that calling, it was a, he began his work of art. His artistry began. He touched them. He called them. He influenced their life. It's a beautiful word. Thayer's definition says it means to make or with the names of things, make, to produce, to construct, to form or to fashion, to be the author of or, or the cause of, to make ready, to prepare, to produce, to bear, to shoot forth, to endow a person with a certain quality. 
So this was, this was a beautiful, a beautiful um, 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 work that Christ began to do. And it was, part, it was all in the, the appointment. God was, was calling them to himself. And in this calling, as they yield, yielded, the work of God began. Can you remember when you first yielded your heart to the Lord and you first began to turn your attention toward him. You first began to turn. In that turning and yielding and, and beginning to make your first steps toward him, his appointment began, his formation of you and making you from what you used to be into something totally different began that day. He was making Peter into something different and Matthew into something different and, and James into something different. They were being changed into something they never were. They were being formed and fashioned by the work of God. And this, that's, that's why he calls us. So he goes on to say in this passage, he appointed the 12, or he called the 12. Listen carefully to these words. Why did he call them? That they might be with him. That's why he called them. He wanted these 12 men over the next three and a half years just to be with him. That's, that's what the calling was about. The calling was about spending time with Jesus. Can you imagine the impact on a person's life when they're there with this man, this incredible Jesus of Nazareth, the anointed one? You were there with him. You were there with him when he got up in the morning. You were there with him when he ate his breakfast. You were there with him when he prayed. You were there with him when he traveled. You were there with him when he was searching the scriptures. You were there with him when he was teaching or healing the sick or casting out devils or just having conversation or, or taking a couple days of rest. You were there with him in, in the atmosphere of this, this person, Jesus of Nazareth. There was transformation taking place. So God calls us to be with himself. And, and for us, of course, we live in a, in a different time. We don't live in those 33 years when Christ was here on earth. But in actuality, we live in a, an even greater time. We live in the time of the incredible person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is God. He's as much a person of the Trinity as Jesus is a person of the Trinity. And today, he is appointing people. He's calling people to himself. He's ordaining people to himself. And his first purpose of, of his ordination, of his calling, of his appointment, of his work of art, is calling us just to be with him. You know, I've heard so many preachers say that, that the, the baptism or the immersion into the Holy Spirit is strictly to equip us for the work of the ministry. Well, that's the end result of what happens. That's the end result. But, but the baptism or immersion into the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, is for us just to be with Him. Just to be with Him. For Him to love us. For him to care for us because in that atmosphere of God's loving us and ministering to us, that's where we are transformed. That's where our lives are changed. And we become something totally different than what we, what we used to be. So I'm called. I'm appointed. In John 15, 16, he says, you did not chose me, choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruits. In Song of Solomon, I love this. We're going to look at Solomon's song, the beginning of it. And in this, we see the, the purpose of God's calling us. Song of Solomon, the beginning, first few verses. The Song of Songs, 
which is Solomon's. There's a lot of hissing up here, guys. Um, you can adjust that. There's Song of so- Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine because of the fragrance of your good ointments. Your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Draw me away and we will run after you. The king has brought me into his chambers. So this is, this is a drawing. This is a calling. First and foremost, to come and be with him. He's calling us into what Solomon called his banqueting house, his house of wine, his place of love. And in that place of love is where Christ begins to appoint us or form us or fashion us. It's where the potter begins to do his thing on, in our lives, transforming us, making us into something different than we ever used to be. It says this about the baptism with the Spirit in Ephesians 3.19. That you might really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you might be filled through your whole being until all, all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body holy and filled and flooded with God himself. So Jesus is calling us. He's appointing us, calling us to come and just be with him, to be with him, to sit in his his presence, to listen to his voice, to let his life impact our lives and and transform us into something different. Now, when we, you know, the disciples, you think about this, you think about their experience. They had this calling upon their life. They were called and they spent three and a half incredible years with Jesus. They saw things that that they never imagined they'd see in their lifetime. They saw the feeding of the multitudes. They saw demons come out. They saw lepers cleansed. They saw blind eyes healed. They saw paralytics leaping for joy. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead. They saw Jesus teaching and preaching and stilling the storm and walking on the water. They saw all sorts of things. And at the end of the three and a half years, Jesus began to tell them, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be crucified to tomorrow and I'm going to go away. And they were, at first they were absolutely devastated because they thought in their, in their natural thinking that they were going to lose, lose that access to the Lord that they had enjoyed. They loved the fact that he had called them to be with him. But he went on to explain to them, it's, it's expedient for you that I go away because it, when I go away, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He's going to come. He's going to come and he's going to be with you like I've been with you, but I've been with you, but he's going to be not only with you, he's going to be in you. He's going to be in you. You're going to be in him. You're going to be surrounded by him and loved by him and cared for by him. He's going to wrap his arms around you. So this is, this is what began to happen on the day of Pentecost. They were gathered in an upper room and suddenly they were filled with Holy Spirit. The whole room was filled. They were filled. The atmosphere was filled. Their bodies were filled. And, and they began to experience this new calling in their life to be with him. To be with him. I am called to be with him. I'm called to walk with him. I'm called to be immersed in him. I'm called to enjoy him. 
And what he, he began to release that very first day in these, these disciples as they began to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit and they began to experience this new level of being with God. They began to experience this language of mystery and this language of intimacy. Oh, today this language is shunned and, and not, it's not appreciated. It's put to the outside rather than put to its prominent position that it's placed in the book of Acts and in the New Testament. And this, this gift is not, it's not the least of the gifts. It's the beginning of awareness to the rest of the gifts. It's the open door into praying in the, in the, in the un, unknown language, experiencing the presence of God. It's in the presence of God that your life is changed. It's in the presence of God that you're equipped. It's in the presence of God that you receive a testimony to share with the people that's all around you. Now listen to this. I wrote a blog about this called Silent Prayers and Groanings. Listen to this. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Real prayer comes from the depths of our hearts. It's a combination of our deep longings and God's deep love. It's the beautiful joining together of the natural and the supernatural. It's, it's my hunger crying out to God's abundance and to God himself. It's a mysterious blending of man's hunger and need and the anointing of the Spirit. It's not our eloquence, our formula, or our many words that get God's attention. It's the heart crying out for him. It's the cry of Bartimaeus. It's the touch of the woman with the issue of blood. It's the centurion's faith or the desperate action of friends tearing off a roof. Heart faith is displayed in groanings too deep for ordinary words. Crying to God in your heavenly language is the picture of our utter dependency on the Lord. He always responds to the cries of faith. Here are some powerful words about the simplicity and the depth of prayer from Martin Luther. This is what Luther said about it. He's quoting a scripture. He said, Jacob prayed, I'm, an un I'm unworthy of all the kindness and the faithfulness you've shown your servant. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. We pray different kinds of prayers when our life is in jeopardy, like Jacob was doing. When we, when we pray, we shouldn't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think we'll be heard because of their many words. People who blather on when they pray aren't thinking about God's promises and commands regarding prayer or even the help so de they desperately need. This isn't true prayer. Luther said, I used to pray this way when I was a monk. I called out to God in times of need, but I didn't know anything about God's promise to hear me or about his command to pray. I was only mumbling words. Real prayer, on the other hand, comes from deep down. Like Jacob's prayer in this passage, real prayer comes from a heart full of faith that realizes both the need to pray and God's command to pray. But some people routinely mumble their prayers while their thoughts are far away. They're not really praying for they don't even know what they're saying. A real prayer doesn't require a lot of words. Instead, it often involves long, deep sighs without any words at all. He says real prayer is a heart calling out to God. 
It could be just be groans. It can be sighs. It can be longings of our hearts. Longing out to God without any words at all. Jacob's prayer probably wasn't limited to the words that Moses recorded here. Most likely, Jacob sighed all day and all night. Luther had a great understanding of prayer. He learned his prayer in times of desperation. He was living in life-threatening circumstances from the Pope and the Holy Roman Emperor for many years. He learned about the power of groaning before the Lord. Sometimes words aren't enough. Just releasing our hearts in sounds to the Lord is really all that's necessary. He hears our hearts cry and he responds. If you're in a storm, you don't have to depend on your eloquence or your many words. Sometimes a silent prayer or a groan is all you need to find yourself where? In His loving arms. It's where He's calling you. It's where the change happens. It's where transformation happens. He's calling you. Where's He calling you? Just to be with Him. That's why He called you to be a Christian. He called you to be with Him. To love Him, to know Him, to fellowship with Him, to spend time in His Word, to spend time in His presence, to spend time in the body of Christ where He manifests Himself, just to be with Him. And you know what? It's enough. It's enough for our soul. We meet Him there. We touch Him there and we find out, wow, this is, this is my heart's longing. This is my heart's desire, just to be with Him, just to know my God. Amen. So, so we're, we're called to be with him. You know, also this, this calling, Jesus wanted them to be with him. His intention was, was discipleship. That's what his intention was. He wanted to, to shape these men and these women into different people than they used to be before. The people that followed him, the 12 and the 70, they were, they were shaped and transformed by being with Christ. He has discipleship in mind. He has transformation in mind. He has, he has confirmation conforming you into the image of his son. That's what he has in mind. And it's the work of God that happens in our soul supernaturally and mysteriously just from being around him. We get around him. It changes the way we act. It changes the way we talk. It changes the way we look. It changes our countenance. It changes our words. It changes our loves. It changes everything about him just from being with him. Do you remember, do you remember the words of the high priests when they were, they, were, they were challenging Peter and John? Oh, about 50 days after Pentecost, and they had healed this lame man in the, in the temple colonnade, and they were threatening them with their lives. And they got aside, and they had a little conference together, and it says, it, it says that they recognized these two men from Galilee as having been with Jesus. Wow, that's what I want. That's what I long for, for people to recognize that we've been with Jesus. And it's, it's, it's what happens. It's not something that we try to conjure up. It's not something you can fake. It's not something you can imitate. It's not saying things a certain way or, or having a certain style about your life. It's not a certain style of singing or, or it's, not, it's not anything that you can fabricate in the natural. It's what happens on the inside of us when we're just with Him. It's discipleship. 
Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be metamorphosized into a a different kind of person by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable in that perfect will of God. He is, he is transforming you. He is making you into something totally unique and something, something different. Let me look back at this passage in Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, verse 13 and 14, where we started. I'm sorry, Mark 3. Mark 3, 13 and 14. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this passage. He says, they came to, they, he went up on the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be with him. That they might be with him. That they might send them out. Everyone say, send them out. The word send them out is a, this is crazy over here. What is, turn that off or something. <laughs> It's killing me. This, this, um, this word, send them out, is apostolos. Everyone say apostolos. You recognize the word. It means apostle. It means apostle. He called them, he, he called them to be with him and to send them out. In a strange sense, there's an apostolic anointing upon every Christian. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that every one of us are called into a full-time ministry or or not all of us are called to be apostles or, or prophets or pastors or teachers or evangelists. But there is an apostolic calling upon his church. And that word means to be sent out. God calls you to be with him. He calls you to transform you and conform you into his image to take on his nature and his power and his life. And then he sends you out. He appoints us. He appoints each one of us into different places in our society. We are handpicked to live in a specific neighborhood, to have a particular job, to have certain people we're related to by our family, to have certain friends that we are influencing in our lives. And God has called you, divinely appointed you, apostled you to send you out by his spirit to have an influence in the world that we live in. This is, this is the plan of God. This is the plan of God. His plan is to touch and change your life so that he might be glorified, that your life might shine abroad to the place where you've been apostled, where you've been sent to. He's placed you in your job. He's placed you in your career. He's placed you in your neighborhood. He's placed you in your family. And there is influence, whether you've realized it or not, there's influence coming out from you as his son or as his daughter. If Christ lives in you, If God Almighty has made his residence in your home, it ought to affect people around you. And it does. And it's 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 so simple. It's not a it's not a hard thing. It's not very hard at all. Is anyone listening to me this morning? Am I I feel like I've been speaking in tongues for 30 minutes? If you if you um it's, it's, not, it's not hard. It's not difficult. It's not like you have to try and, and work it up to affect people's lives. It's just what you are if you've been with him. 
if you've been with him, if you've answered the call just to be with him, just to, and that takes the pressure off of us. He's called us just to have fun. He's called us just to enjoy his goodness, to love him, to let him kiss us, to let him anoint us with his presence, to let him speak to us his mysteries from the word of God, just to enjoy his presence. Oh, you th- those disciples, they loved being with him more than anything else in the world. They loved being with Jesus. And we do too. We love being with him. We love when he shows up. We love when he speaks to us from his word. We love his presence and anointing upon us. And it's that and that alone that transforms us and appoints us, apostles us into our worlds. And then he goes on to say that he, he not only, uh, uh, he not only appoint, sent them out, but he sent them out to preach. Everyone say preach. The word preach is Caruso. There is a famous opera singer by the name of Caruso. Caruso means to proclaim, to preach. Now, again, it doesn't mean that you're called to be a a public orator and to have a microphone and a a pulpit or a TV or radio ministry or or to rent halls or to to speak in crusades. But if if you've been with him, you can't keep your mouth shut. I promise you. I promise you, one of the funniest things in the Bible, I read one of these, there's several accounts like this, but I read one of them yesterday in my devotions. Jesus had just cast this, this demon out of a deaf mute boy, and, and he was healed and, and made instantly whole. And, and then he got the people around him, and he said, now, when you leave here, don't tell anybody what you saw. How do you think that worked out? Uh, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't tell anybody. It spread like fire. <laughs> now, that's, that's the ticket. That's one of the ways you really, 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 really know if someone has been with him. At some point, they have to talk about it. They have to talk about it. It's like fire shut up in their bones. They have to say, you won't believe what I read this morning. I was reading the book of Mark, and the Lord spoke to me. Can I share this scripture with you? Oftentimes, when you're reading the Bible and the Word of God becomes alive to you and it stands out and you begin to, you begin to, to take it in and you begin to mutter and think about it and chew upon it, oftentimes, it's not for you. It's for someone He's going to bring across your path that day. You have divine appointments every day. But many, of, many times we're so distracted with our own issues that we're not aware of what's around us. Just be with him. Just, just, just be with him. Then he sends us out. He calls us to preach. And you know, he calls us because the, the preaching of the gospel is the, it's the testimony of Jesus. And then he says, he goes on to say, he sent them out to preach and to have power. Everyone say power. This is not the dunamis word. This is a different word. Dunamis means supernatural power. This is the word exousia, which means authority connected together with power. He's given us the authority and the power to heal the sick. Wow, it's Christians. He's given us the power and the authority. It's, it's like a policeman, a policeman walking around. He might have the authority. You know, this is like in, in lots of times, if you go into, into London, the policemen there have authority, but all they got is a little stick. They don't have a gun. They got no power with them. 
I mean, at least around here, you can't be walking around as a policeman around New Orleans unless you got something more than a stick in your hands. I promise you. You better have more than a stick. You got to have the government behind you, the authority, but you got to have some power to back it up. Or you're just going to get walked over by who, whoever, whatever knucklehead happens to wander on the scene that particular day. But in our daily lives, we are walking around here. We are not, we are not left alone. And if we're with him, if we spend time with him, we experience his power and we have his authority behind us to lay our hands on the sick and to watch them recover. Jesus told us to do it. Lay your hands on the sick. Lay your hands on the sick. Now, we can't heal anybody, but he can, and he will, and he does. He might have someone that you come across that, that might be hurting. They're going through a divorce or a, a tragedy in their family. All it takes, you don't have to have great words, theological words. You can just say, would you mind if I, I just pray for you? And just put your hand on their shoulder and say, Lord, I just ask you to touch the broken heart. Heal the broken hearts with your love in Jesus' name. You'd be shocked at what will happen. Shocked. He's called us to lay our hands on the sick. And then this last, this last part of this. I'm going to read the, um, the whole account again. He went up on the mountain. He called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. You know, there's different things take place throughout the different seasons in the body of Christ. But far too often, Christians either pretend like demons don't exist or they're afraid of them. And the, the, the simple truth is there are demons out there everywhere. And this is the other simple truth is they're absolutely terrified of Christ and his anointing. Now, let me ask you a question. If you have roaches in your house, I mean, if you have roaches in your house, there's things you can do. The first thing you do is step on them and, then, and, then that, and get rid of them that way. But there's, there's things you can do. You can wash your dishes and clean the cabinets and then spray poison around. There are things you can do to get rid of the roaches. All right, you don't have to be afraid. You get, you clean the place up, just clean it up, and put some stuff out there, and you're probably not going to have roach problems any longer. And it's, there's a parallel in our in our Christian life. Sometimes our lives got stuff in it. Maybe our dishes need to be cleaned. Maybe we need a good bath. Maybe we need to have our mouth washed out with soap. Maybe there needs to be a cleansing of our brain and our mind because we're we are living in an environment where, where roaches slash demons feel comfortable and welcome. You cleanse, the, you cleanse the vessel and cleanse the house and you fill it with Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. You, how do you do that? Spend time with Jesus. The roaches will run for their lives. They will absolutely be terrified. They don't want to be around a clean vessel filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Oh no, they don't want anything to do with that. They're going to go find somebody that's living in compromise or, or complaining or in betrayal or something, adultery or something. They're going to leave you alone if you're clean and filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you come walking on the scene, it's, it's, not, it's not casting out demons becomes, becomes secondary. It's not even a, a major thing. It's not, it's, it's not a huge thing at all. It's like, what? Just get out of here in Jesus' name. Get out of here. Authority and power. Authority and power. Oh, yes, so Jesus has he's appointed you. And he's appointed me. He's called us. He's called us to himself. And he's appointed us to be with him. And when we come together with him, this, this is where our life is defined. We, we finally find out. We finally find out why we are, why we exist. We find the answers to those questions. I found that question. I've been mentioning it all throughout the service. I found the answer to that question for me in August of 1973. I found out why I live. Because in that appointment, in that, in that calling to be with him, was his calling to be who I am today. That was part of his, he was a, a calling me to be with him, to walk with him, and to form me into the person he wants me to be. And it's the same for you. He has a different path for each of us to walk. He has a different purpose and a different plan. But you know what? Yours won't be any less, it won't be any less special or any less supernatural. It may not be in a pulpit, but it'll be in the arena of God because we are called to be salt and light in this world. He's calling you to be with him, to live with him, to love him, and to allow him to form you and shape you. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information. 